Welcome to Feel Better, Live More Bite Size, your weekly dose of positivity and optimism to get you ready for the weekend. Today's episode is brought to you by AG1 from Athletic Greens, one of the most nutrient-dense whole food supplements that I've come across. It contains vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, and so much more, and I myself take it regularly. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash live more to access a very special offer. They are giving my listeners five fantastic travel packs and one year supply of vitamin D free of charge with your first order. See your details at athleticgreens.com forward slash live more. Today's clip is from episode 291 of the podcast with leading experts on the gut microbiome, Professor Tim Spector. In this clip, Tim shares some of the latest gut health science, along with his simple tips for building more gut-friendly foods into your diet. Why is gut health so important? Even if you feel perfectly normal, you can have poor gut health, which is going to affect how long you live, uh, how many chronic diseases you get, whether you get allergies, whether your immune system is going to fight off COVID, uh, all kinds of things, uh, your mood the next day, your sleep, all things we hadn't even thought were related. So we have to think much more widely when we talk about gut health. So it influences you know, all, everything to do with our body, our mood, our brain, and uh, our metabolism, our weight, etc. We know that we've lost half of our gut microbes compared to perhaps even 50 or 100 years ago. And that's affecting us in many ways. And yet, it's not like genetics that you can't change. It's something that all of us can improve. And all of us needs to understand more about gut health um, so that we can improve many things in our life very simply just by altering our food choices. So you don't need doctors, you don't need specialists to do it. It's all within our power to really nurture and improve our, our, our gut microbes, which in turn, are key for our gut health. In terms of practical things, we mentioned that improving our gut health can improve all kinds of things in the body. And you mentioned food as a powerful tool to use for our gut health. What are some of the things that people should think about bringing into their diets to improve their gut health? Well, the first thing I think is to, to realize that we're not really in an obesity crisis, we're in a food crisis. And that's because we've lost an idea of what good food is. And the first thing to do is to realise you know, the difference between good and bad food and forget a lot of what we've been told about calories and fats and sugars and the fact that you can really tell a, a product by its calorie count or its percentage fat on a, on a label. So it's understanding those differences between ready meals and something you do yourself. It's yeah. all those nuances that we need to start thinking about. Quality is something we should be talking about and we should absolutely stop talking about calories. In this country, in the US, uh, people are often swapping calories for quality and manufacturers of foods use calories to disguise the poor quality of the ingredients, all the other 
chemicals there affect the highly high focus highly processed that's going to have lots of other negative effects on your body we know that these other products of food understanding what's in ultra processed foods is actually will drive your hunger drive your cravings uh, make you more tired all kinds of things that they're not supposed to do because we're just supposed to think about calories and fat content and so it's driving people down the wrong direction and that's why we've got it so wrong over the last 50 years. That's why uh, obesity rates are going up, diabetes rates are going up, and ultra-processed food rates are still going up in the US and the UK, which are the two top countries in the world. In terms of those foods or the types of foods that you would love people to be focusing on more, what are they? Well, gut-friendly foods. So, you know, I'm hoping one day we'll have a a nice label on the food that gives it a like a calorie score, a gut-friendly score, and you are seeing some of the some of the companies starting to to you know have these labels on it. But they're it's the wild west. They can anyone can put anything on it at the moment. You don't trust it. So what you got to think of is what do your microbes want to eat when you're when you're when you're picking them out. And generally, if you pick foods that your microbes are going to be happy eating they're going to be good for you and they're also going to be good for the planet. So as a very general rule, uh, that's a pretty good one. And what microbes like to eat is they like to eat predominantly plants. They like to eat uh, high-fiber plants that are, are complex and uh, they um, are like a variety. So there's no point only eating one type of salad every day, even if you love it. Do mix it up uh, because... We've done studies showing that the sort of sweet spot for the number of plants you should eat in a week is around 30. That's not a precise number, but you should be aiming for at least 30 plants, different plants a week. So bear in mind, that's so all the, you're generating as many species of microbes that can feed off all the chemicals in each of those plants. So it's, it's like the perfect nourishment for them is to get that variety across the week. The 30 includes you know, nuts and seeds and uh, herbs. We don't know exactly how much, but increasing studies uh, are showing that just adding uh, spices, spice mixes to your, uh, your diet, at least you know, a couple of times a week, can enhance your yeah. gut microbes. So increasingly the evidence is, is building. It's this, the people who have the more diverse diets uh, do better. So um, snap yourself out of your routines <laughs> Uh, whether it's for your salad or your breakfast, and uh, and try and work this in. So, so you mentioned out of those 30 that you recommend as a ballpark figure, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, herbs, uh, spices, lentils and things like beans as well, black beans, oh, yes. chickpeas, all those sort of things. Yes, I mean... Because uh, suddenly the 30, when you include all that, it doesn't sound quite as daunting as when it just, oh, what, 30 vegetables? No, know. exactly. You think of a plate and I've got to get 30 different vegetables <laughs> on my plate every day. No. Um, I mean, I, you know, I cheat. And for my, you know, my usual breakfast, which doesn't mean I have it every day, and I do vary it depending on where I am. Uh, I start now with a, you know, a full-fat yogurt with kefir, which is fermented milk, kefir. Uh, as it's pronounced in the US. So there's like two probiotics in that. Wow. With perhaps, uh, we think about 15 mi microbial, 15 to 20 microbial species between them, if you're lucky. 
So that's also, I've got a probiotic start as well. And then, you know, I will have a mixed uh, bowl full of mixed nuts and seeds. And it gives me eight straight away. So you start so, on the day with eight. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, and then I'll, if I've got something in the fruit bowl, I chop up whatever's in the fruit bowl, a pear or an apple. And so I might have, you know, start with 10. So if that's Monday morning, I've only got to, you know, find another 20. Um, and that's just one meal. So I have that with a, uh, a double espresso, uh, which is also, um, people should know, a very good source of polyphenols and fibre and is very good for your gut. And coffee drinkers are healthier and uh, live longer and have less heart disease. So, uh, coffee. So it's it's completely that's a, that's the opposite. A great, that's a great study to refer to if we like coffee, isn't it? Yes. If you don't <laughs> like coffee, it's a bit tough for you. But uh, are you a coffee drinker? I, I am very much so. <laughs> but most people don't realise that there's more fibre in uh, the average uh, cup of coffee than in a glass of orange juice, and we all know what orange juice does to your blood sugar. So. For people who do like breakfast, do like eating, it's the one, if we can all change ourselves, generally we're in our home, we're in control of the situation and we've got into a rut because most of us have a very similar breakfast every day and it's the one that's easiest to change and change all our habits. And yeah. if you change that, I think it sort of sets you up, your mentality for the rest of the day, the rest of the month, the rest of the year. You've just got that in your mind. That first thing you wake up, I'm going to get my microbes off to a good start uh, one way or another. And for me, it, it works. So I think there's 30 rules. Some people say immediately, oh, that's terrible. That feels like a burden. But it can be so easy. And, you know, just by preparing big jars of stuff and buying berries when you see them and freezing them or, yeah. you know, a new seed or nut and you just add it to your mix, it, it's incredibly easy. What I know is that people really enjoy the conversations I have with you. They feel really inspired to change. And I think hearing that you get eight to 10 plants in a breakfast, I think may be super helpful for people. So for someone who may be on zero or, or five at the moment and they hear 30, what does the research show in terms of, yeah, look, from wherever you are, even if you go from five to 10 a week, you're gonna get an improvement, aren't you? You're gonna improve the quality and the diversity of your microbiome. 30 may be the ultimate target, but for some people who can't achieve that, I guess we don't want them feeling bad about that. It's a case of, look, start where you're at and just see what you can do. Absolutely, yes. The 30 was just where we saw on the curve in the population that people sort of reached the maximum diversity. Oh, so going to 40 didn't really give them much more diversity? On average, no. On average. I mean, of course, as you know, we've talked about before, it's all individual. So there's lots of individuality here. So... You know, some people might be fine on 20, others might need 40. We don't know yet. So we're setting a, a rough, rough yeah. bar. So don't knock yourself out if, <laughs> if uh, you're only on 28 one week <laughs> and you feel like you're a total failure. Um, it, you know, it, it's fine. I think it's it's an aspirational goal. The more, more important is to just keep it in mind, yeah. your mentality, you're looking for that. Everyone has weeks where it's hard, they're working, you know, they're having to travel, they're not prepared. We live in a practical world. Yeah. And yeah, just on average, have that as an aspiration and see how you get on. Yeah. Just to finish off this conversation, Tim, could we just briefly go through what are polyphenols? Why should people think about getting more of them in? How can they do that? And then potentially the same for fermented foods as well. So polyphenols used to be called antioxidants and they are a group of 
well over a thousand different chemicals that are in plants, in all plants, to different levels. And they're defence chemicals that plants use to defend themselves against sun or uh, predators. And uh, they are in uh, brightly coloured foods, they're in slightly bitter foods, and they're in complex foods. And so they're in things like coffee, dark chocolate, red wine, uh, extra virgin olive oil, uh, nuts, seeds, berries particularly. And these polyphenols we now know are useful for us because they feed our microbes and those microbes then convert them into other healthy chemicals. We can't really use them ourselves. So it's quite interesting. It's, they really are like specific fish food that we're eating wow. uh, that, that provides us then, you know, then they, these chemicals then get back into our bloodstream and dampen down inflammation and keep us healthy. So polyphenols are really good. Fermented foods are anything that has live microbes in it. Uh, so it's like probiotics naturally occurring in food. So by the time you're eating it, it's actually got live microbes that can still replicate and produce chemicals. And so everyone knows yogurt has that, but kefir has... Uh, several times more microbes than yogurt. Kombucha, which is fermented tea, which is becoming more popular, which has even more than kefir in it and has uh, different fungi and yeasts. Wow. So often up to 30 different microbes you can find in a, in a proper kombucha. Uh, then uh, sauerkraut used uh, you know, in Central and Eastern Europe, which is fermented cabbage. And, of course, going one level above that, you've got kimchi, um, One level above that in terms of the number of microbes? Number of microbes and diversity because you've also got, as well as the cabbage, you've got, uh, you've got garlic, you've got chilies, uh, you've got uh, onions and other peppers and things. And if you like Japanese food, of course, anything with miso in it is, uh, is, is really important because miso is fermented soy. So fermented food is really big and having a small amount every day is what I try and do. We know that these things die out, so for practical reasons, try and have a small shot of one or two of these every day, and that's why if you have it at home in your fridge, you're near the for breakfast or your first meal, you've got it, uh, or you have it you know at night when you come back. Uh, so I think it's about mixing it up, it's about trying new stuff, and it's about enjoyment in food as well. Hope you enjoyed that bite-sized clip. Do spread the love by sharing this episode with your friends and family. And if you want more, why not go back and listen to the original full conversation with my guest. If you enjoyed this episode, I think you will really enjoy my bite-sized Friday email. It's called The Friday Five. And each week I share things that I do not share on social media. It contains five short doses of positivity, articles or books that I'm reading, quotes that I'm thinking about, exciting research I've come across, and so much more. I really think you're going to love it. The goal is for it to be a small yet powerful dose of feel-good to get you ready for the weekend. You can sign up for it free of charge at drchatterjee.com forward slash Friday 5. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Make sure you have pressed subscribe and I'll be back next week with my long form conversation on Wednesday and the latest episode of Bite Science next Friday. <laughs>